girl who will speak life into you, that friend who won't let you live in your crap. I will push you, encourage you, call you out, and show you your God-given potential. I'm Meredith Franklin, a wife, mom, serial entrepreneur, network marketing, six-figure annual earner, and this podcast is packed with tips and tricks on all things faith, family, finances, business, mindset, and more. I will be sharing stories of real women who have overcome setbacks while pursuing their audacious goals. Get ready to be inspired and get into action. Welcome to the Lead Hership Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited for today's podcast. Everybody, I have my dear friend Raquel on here, and she is going to be helping those of us who are dealing with this time, this crazy time in our life where we are really feeling like we are forced to homeschool. People and parents who are not prepared, not ready, not feeling equipped, feeling very stressed out and having high anxiety in, during this time. And we are really here to just help you and put you at ease for this time. Actually, Raquel's really here for me because I need to feel this at ease too. I will be homeschooling my kids and we're going to give you tips and tricks on things that you can do. But Raquel has been, this is her fifth year homeschooling her boys and she's going to jump in and share why she started homeschooling because it's been quite a while. So Raquel, go ahead and share your story with us. Okay. Well, first of all, Meredith, thank you for having me here. This is an awesome opportunity to help other parents during this time. And how I got started with homeschooling was not by choice. (laughs) So I got thrown into it too. So I can empathize with some of these parents. Okay. It's not something that I sought out to be a homeschool family. I had my two boys in school in a public school. It was a Spanish immersion program. And I was an entrepreneur. I had two businesses going on. So I was really happy with my situation. However, when my oldest kid, who is now entering seventh grade, started his second grade, the teacher there told me, you might have to get his IQ tested. This might not be the environment for him. And that just threw me for a loop. I did not know what to do. Um, Yes, we tested his aptitude and everything. And in that moment, it just didn't seem like the school was going to be a good fit for him anymore. And so my husband and I started scrambling. We thought, what do we do? We were hoping the school would take care of him, but that was not the case. And we just felt like the best thing to do was to homeschool. And let me tell you, that was really scary because I had never thought about doing that. And honestly, my husband didn't think I could do it either. (laughs) So it was definitely something that was scary. But when we made that decision, we just started research, learning about it. I did have the luxury of having the summer to kind of dive into everything, all things homeschool, trying to figure out where to start. So that was him entering into third grade was the first year we homeschooled. My second one in the middle of his second grade, he just said, I want to come home. I want to be homeschooled. So it was his choice. And I was not going to say, no, you can't, you need to stay there. He wanted to come home. So we brought him home. And then the youngest one, he decided last summer that he was going to be homeschooled too. (laughs) And he was going to be entering second grade. And during the summer, we do different things for homeschooling and he wanted to be home. And again, I couldn't say, no, you got to stay in school. So I think it just kind of slowly, slowly, it was a process. It's not like overnight. I said, okay, everybody, we're going to be homeschooling. It was a process. I did have, like I said, I had the luxury of kind of moving into it slowly. But the first year that I homeschooled, it was challenging. Like anything else in life that comes with challenges, just like when you have your kid and you bring him home, you have absolutely no idea what to do with them. And so you have your obstacles and you slowly, slowly start figuring things out. My son's teacher had told me something and I took it to heart. And she said to me, look, you've known your kid as a son all these years, his quirks, his character, his demeanor, try to take this year to learn him as a student. And I have never really considered that. I don't know how he learns his thinking style, his learning style or all that. I just assume he was going to adapt to me. He's going to just take in all the information the way I teach it. And that just wasn't the case. So we had a lot of challenges along the way. 
But I kept in mind something that I had read in a book. It's like, and this is an amazing book and I will give you the information to that. It's called Teaching from Rest by Sarah McKenzie. Somebody gave me that book and I read it and I took to heart. And the biggest lesson that I took from that is what is the point? What is the point of what I was doing with my child? And the point went beyond academics. It was, he's my son and I love him and I want what's best for him, just like any other parent. So having that mindset going into it helped me to step back when I thought things were getting really rough or challenging for me or for him because homeschooling is this mutual respect between parent and child. It's like we show up as a parent for them and you want that in return. They're showing up for you too. And by that, you show up with offering the best that you can for them, joy, peace, grace, and they in return are going to show up for you with respect, with joy and grace. And it's that that really helps you with your homeschool day. Because if you're showing up ready to give and they show up and they're just not having it, it makes for a very frustrating day. So that's really what I learned my first year is that we need to get to know each other. So by the time my second and third son came in, I had a little bit more humility in how we're going to approach the day a little bit more grace for understanding that each child is wired different. I'm wired different. So we have to consider that and keep that in mind when, when we're teaching. I couldn't expect to teach each one exactly the same because they're not wired the same. And so you adapt. And it's very similar to parenting. You know your child's character and demeanor, and you might approach each one different. One of them may be very emotional, and the other one is more logical. And you learn as a parent how to better communicate with your children. And the same goes for teaching them. You learn their style, you learn your style, and you adapt. And it makes for a beautiful relationship. Yeah, that's so good. My question, I guess, because like I tried homeschooling my son in first grade and then we had to do it again for this COVID. And I don't think that he had that mutual respect (laughs) for me. And so I don't like how long, honestly, did it take for the teacher, student slash like mother, son, like how long did it take for that respect to be like, she is my teacher. Like I have to do things. Like how long did that take Yeah, I don't know that it's a specific time. And I think it varies per child. My oldest one is the logical and reasoning child. So with him, he was very considerate. He understood that, that I needed grace. I'm wired totally different. And I was kind of this fly by the seat of your pants type of gal. And he was like, I need a checklist. I need a schedule. And so I could have just easily said, no, we're not having that because I don't need that. But when he saw I was showing up for him, I'm trying to adapt to him. Then it was easier for him to say, okay, I'm going to also adapt to what she's doing. What I didn't realize is that through this process, as we're getting to learn them as students, they're also learning us, not just a teacher, but just as individuals. I think for a long time, we're just mom. I need this, I need this, I need that. But when they see you in the process of everything that you do, I just felt like there was a little bit more empathy on their end. And they started recognizing, okay, mom's tired today. Let's take it easy. Okay, mom needs this. Maybe we should help her. I just saw more grace on their end. Like they finally saw me as not just mom who you can call to do everything, but just as a person who also needs grace, who also needs forgiveness, who also needs time for herself and that they can respect that. And so it does vary per child, but as a parent, you just continue to model that and come to expect that from them because you're just modeling what you want them to also, you want to receive the same from them. But I think it's just going to vary per child. Yeah. 
It might be personality. Like I'm going to try my best. And I just love what you said, because it's almost like a conversation that needs to be had. I feel like maybe with my children, but like just saying like, I'm learning this too. We're learning each other. I want to help you. Can you help me? Especially because my kids are older. I know with littler kids, it's probably very different. And like with that all said, I know the main question that people have, especially right this minute is where do I start? Like, what do I do? Where do I start? I feel like my head is totally cut off and I'm running around. So give the people what they want and like help them feel better. Yeah. I think first and foremost is again, as a parent, we want what's best for them. And I really want to start off first by saying, if this year is just already too much, this whole COVID situation has brought about just too much anxiety, too much uncertainty, and adding on to that homeschooling, that's just even more stress on you and your family, whoever is doing the homeschooling, and as a family. And this is something that's just like, oh no, we just can't, not one more thing. There would be nothing wrong to just take this year off to just enjoy your children, just reading to them, reading to them. There's so many stories, there's so much great content out there with every subject. You can find books on any subject and just read to them all these stories and just taking them out on nature walks or field trips and just spending time with them. Like just doing that alone would be enough. Your child would be receiving knowledge through all these stories, but you can add to that movies with these books. Your child would be receiving nature, appreciation for nature, and they'd be receiving you, spending time with you, and you don't have this big cloud over you. However you perceive homeschooling, whatever your expectations are for homeschooling, you will have just removed that cloud from you and just enjoyed your children. And this would probably be amazing year for them of building the relationship and that love with the family. And that is really what homeschooling is about. It's that community you cultivate within your family. And then that's where that richness of that mutual respect comes in because you're taking that time to be with them, be invested in them. And so that's what I would say to the parent that homeschooling is just one more thing. It's just too much. I just can't. That's okay. That's okay. They don't have to tackle all these things. And that is homeschooling. What I just said, that is homeschooling. So it doesn't have to be so formal. And what they would have to do in addition to that is just file a PSA, a private school affidavit with their given state. I'm in California. So you basically would go on the website and just file your school, whatever name you want to give it. And that's it. You're basically flying solo (laughs) at that point. But if you want a little bit more structure and you really want to consider homeschool with bells and whistles, you can also file the private school affidavit or you can join independent study charter school. In California, it's become quite difficult to join a charter at this moment because there was a wave of new enrollments through this whole COVID experience. And so a lot of these charter schools are already kept out. And so there's waiting lists, but it's not guaranteed. So a lot of these families will have to file a private school affidavit. And it's okay. Each side, PSA or charter school is going to offer its benefits. And neither of them is going to be like the perfect choice. But, um, but whatever route you want to take. I have friends that do PSA. I have friends that do charter. We do charter, we're connected with the charter school and that seems to work out, but it doesn't mean you can't be a homeschool parent. So my question was like, which charter are you aligned with? Is it Inspire? Yes, it's Inspire and, but I think it changed its name. It's Pacific Coast now. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know there's a few that if you guys want to know some, like I'm in Idaho, so I'm using Tech Trep, T-R-E-P. And there's Overture, I've heard of K-12, there's different ones, but that's if you like want the funds. If you don't want the funds, then it doesn't really matter, I guess, right? Yeah, I would just say there's also, there's funds, there's also other resources, and some of them have libraries that you can go and check out curriculum before you buy it. So that's another benefit. 
but yeah, like I said, there's benefits to either side, a PSA and a charter school. I just want to make sure that people are encouraged to pursue yeah. either one. And especially if it comes down to the charter school is not an option, then it's okay to go file your private school affidavit. Yeah. And I spoke with another mom who had homeschooled her kids all throughout like tiny until high school. And she said, really and honestly, truly, like you said, if all you do is read stories, have them read back and forth and learn stories that year, it's mm -hmm. okay. Because even the next year could be a focus of just writing. And then the next year could be just a focus of math or whatever. It's fine. And she said, your child it kind of gave me hope. Like I'm a public school child. I went to public school. I was C average student, not very bright according to tests, like terrible at tests. And I'm a very successful person because I found something that I'm passionate about. So when you find what your child is passionate about, when you get to know them and you capitalize on that, she's like, your child's not going to probably be like an algebra wizard. And that's fine. You find what they're really good at. And I was following this other podcast. It's called the five hour school week. And mm -hmm. she was saying, we didn't do math at all. My child is like not excited, not motivated about math. And now there's something in her life that she needs math to do. <laughs> and so they're doing math and it's a year of math and she's excelling at it because it's something that she's excited about. Oh. Yeah. I think it's beautiful that you are sharing all these different dynamics of homeschool because every homeschool looks different, just like our homes. Our home dynamics are different. Our family dynamics are different. So homeschool is just another extension of that, and it's going to look different. I also have friends who homeschool their child, and they both work outside the home. One works in the home, and the other works outside. And how they make it happen? Well, it's their family. They figure out the dynamics and what's going to work for them. So it does get discouraging when you're looking to different people and seeing their model and saying, well, how am I going to make mine like that? Especially if you're coming out of a public school when your instinct is, I got a model in the public school, which is a very natural reaction. You always want a guide in front of you to see where to go. You want the roadmap. And so that was me. Yeah. The first year that my son came home, I thought I had to recreate the school day for him. And what I learned is, no, you don't. You got to do what works for you. So if there's days that all we're going to do is read and math, that's all we're going to do. And if there's days sometimes that I feel super wired and ready to go, then that's the day I want to try to get through more stuff because I am excited. And it does. I'm glad you also, you said two things. One, you said about knowing your child. And so getting to know them, their learning style and their thinking style is important because you want to kind of accommodate to how they're going to better receive the information. If you're just giving it to them the way you want to receive it, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to work for them. I'm a very visual person and you can just show me images and videos all day. I'm like you. I was a C student in school and I'm like thinking like, why did I do so bad in history? History is awesome. At home, when I'm teaching it, it's so awesome. Well, in school, not to knock school down, but I mean, they were doing what, that's what they did. And they would just show us movies, like not movies, real with the person reading it very, in a very monotone way. And that would make me fall asleep. And then the teacher would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I thought, why didn't history click for me? And now I find it so fascinating. And we're here, we read about books, stories, biographies, we watch movies and it just makes it super fun for us now. You're like getting to take your kids to these places and seeing Mount Rushmore and all these things. It's like, it's a very hands-on, it's like this really like this freedom to be able to learn wherever you go. And I know I have a lot of friends right now because of this situation, they're buying motorhomes. They're like, all right, well, if school's not in session and we all have to wear masks, let's get it on the road and learn on the road. That's going to be like the most memorable year. We could use this to our advantage. Mm. Let's just give everyone hope that we can take off and travel and visit friends and family and monuments and things like that during this time because we have that freedom to do so. Well, right. 
some people do. I absolutely. And we as a family are road trippers. So it's very natural for us to go out and incorporate that. So when we got back from our road trip, we were able to do science around that, about the things that we saw. We were able to do history. We were able to do art because it's all these beautiful landscapes that we saw. And so anywhere you're at, you can definitely bring it home as an extension of what you're already doing. And you can take one thing, one event, one field trip and incorporate all the subjects. So what you do is yours. It has to be something that is personal to your family and it doesn't have to look like everybody else's. And so after you consider your child and your style, then that makes it easier for you to kind of say, okay, what are we going to do? I can't expect my youngest kid to sit there for an hour and listen to me talk because he likes to move around and do different things. So it's kind of like, I need to respect that who he is. That's just how he's wired and adapt to that and do things that are going to be not fun all the time, but at least something that he'll find an enjoyable process of learning and something that's enjoyable for you. So for example, my kid who's a big reader, he can just be reading all day where I am a visual. And so we come together and it's like, okay, how do we marry that? How do we marry his style and my style? And maybe I don't want to be reading to him all day or have him read all day, but he can be listening to audiobooks. So that's one way of doing that. And my oldest one is very independent. So for me to have to micromanage him would be horrible. So you give him more autonomy to do projects in a little different way than the other ones because you know his style. And so just kind of keeping in mind that it makes for a more enjoyable process for all of you. And it's more effective because they're actually receiving and retaining the information. And that's really what you want. That's the joy of learning is that you're actually retaining that. And it's not just going in one year, out the other. Like for me in high school where all the information just went in and out. And then I was tested on it. I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea what they were saying. So this is a really neat opportunity to be able to teach to your child. Yeah. And I love how you said like with your one son, he like needs to move around. So you do math a little differently with him because he needs to be moving around. And so my question for you is with kids with multiples and you're teaching all of them, like, how does that go? Do you spend like an hour with this child And then you're like, you're next guys. Like, how does that kind of look if they have all different learning styles and how do you split up your time? That's a great question because when I try to tackle it without seeing how other people did it, because there's only one of you and there's all these subjects and timeframes. And what I do now is we do all our, what a content based material together, which will be things like history, science, reading biographies to them, geography, anything that you can do all together that's not catered specifically to a grade because you have your also your skill, your skill-based subjects where they focus more on one-on-one like writing or reading or math. Those are kind of like skill-based that you add to it. But the content-based, you can do it together. So we do what we call morning time and we do all these subjects together not every day. We don't do history and science every single day. So we do a couple of things in the morning together. And then the rest of the day, everybody does like what they're doing for that day. I work with my oldest ones on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And what that means is after we all do morning time, then we go on. And if I'm working with my older ones, When we're together, we're probably tackling something together. So right now in the summer, we're doing the grammar of poetry. So that's something that I'm actually teaching them. That's why I need to be with them. Or maybe I'm working with math with them because they need to actually be taught a new lesson. Sometimes they get the lesson and they just take off. So that's what I do with my oldest ones Tuesdays and Thursdays. All the rest of the work that they do, they do it independently because they don't really need me there. They can do their math sheet by themselves if they understood it. They do their piano. They do their cursive or typing or whatever it is that they're doing for that day. They do it on their own. And on the days that I work with my little one, which is Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm just one-on-one. We're doing reading, writing, math. So it's one-on-one. I'm teaching. That's what I mean by one-on-one. I'm actually teaching them something. They're not doing something on their own. And on the days that I'm not 
with him. He does things that he could do on his own. So he will do a math sheet that's related to the math that we did the day before. He's reading a book. He's doing his copy work. He's practicing spelling words. Everything that could be done on his own because I'm not there with him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it just made for a more flexible, it just made for a more smooth sailing during our day because now I kind of see what I'm doing every day on a given day to with my children. And just because I plan it out, because I do have a planner, <laughs> everybody wants a planner, right? But my planner is really, really simple. And it could just be on a sheet of paper and I put Monday through Friday. And then I list on one side what we're doing for morning time or together time. And then on the other side, who I'm working with and what I'm doing on that day. And so it kind of breaks it down for me just to kind of know like bird's eye view of what we're shooting for, for the week and like a roadmap, but just as like a roadmap, us road trippers, that doesn't mean that we have to follow that roadmap to a T. We can yeah. take different adventures. We can add something that we didn't plan on or not do something that we plan on doing. So it's kind of like that, like a roadmap. So it gives some like a guide, but yeah. it doesn't mean we have to be committed to every single thing that's on there. Obviously, I'm not teaching them or we're not doing something right now because I'm here with you. So times like this, we can say, yeah, just go play, do what you want. And then we'll just pick up where we left off. And so that's, again, the beauty of homeschooling is that you do have the freedom, the flexibility. Nobody's going to look over you and say, hey, it's 10 a.m. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. It doesn't really look like that. It might help a parent to have a visual of their schedule, yeah. but just keep in mind that the fluidity of your day, like as the way you carry your day, it should be something that's already conducive to your family dynamics, yeah. not forcing the schedule on your family. And it's fine. That we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. Like I said, I modeled mine after the public school, eight to two, this is what we're going to do. And over time, it was a process and we were able to figure out what works for us. And honestly, some days we start school at 11 a.m. <laughs> because yeah. we sleep in or we eat breakfast. And honestly, it's during those talks, during breakfast and lunch and dinner, we're still learning. We're asking questions and you know, asking questions to dad about his day and his job. We're asking questions about what we did that day. And those conversations are also very valuable. They're not to be taken for granted. Those are very special conversations. And we're very fortunate to have my mother-in-law that lives here with us. And so she also adds to the conversation. And yeah. so that's learning. It's learning. Those conversations is still learning. It's yeah. not like we do school and then we stop. It's just the whole home environment is the school. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I think like, it's important. So my thought is, okay, like I'm trying to like motivate my kids. So then I'm like, okay, does she have rewards that they get to get if they do X, Y, Z, like which certain child rewarded by he's motivated by this or child motivated by that. So like, what do you do for your kid to motivate them? Or even for like house chores, because that is a part, you're part of this family. We're a family, so you're going to do chores. My kids grumble and complain all the time, but they totally go to my neighbor's house and clean her house or go to a friend's <laughs> house and clean their dishes. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? So tell me how you motivate your kids to actually get their work done. Yeah. And for us, I really try to instill in them that sense that we're a family. We're a team. We do this together. They say, why do I have to do this? I don't enjoy doing this. I don't enjoy. I, I'm like, I didn't enjoy wiping your butt when you were a baby. Okay. So, but I did it. I showed up. So <laughs> the same thing goes. We're still a family. You think I want to wake up every day and cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner? No, but it's what I do because we're a family and it's what we do. So that kind of took care of the chores that they do. It's like we're a family reinstilling that. If one of them doesn't need to do a chore one day and say, okay, then you can help your brother to do his chore because we're a family. We do this for each other. Sometimes I'll do a chore for a kid because I just wanted to see it done. 
And in turn, I said, Hey, why don't you help your brother do his chore? Because he obviously saw that I did his. And so it makes for that like, Oh yeah, we're a family. So she helped me out. I need to help my brother out. So just that, just the reinstilling of that. That's a great question about motivating the kids. And I'm going to say that that's also going to be a process. I've done different things and they work. They've been working for us. Again, every family, every child's different. But we did have this ticket system where they would earn tickets and those tickets equated to a minute on their iPad, right? Because that's what, <laughs> at least my kids, they covet their iPad time. And that's how they were going to earn it with those tickets. So every time they saw themselves getting tickets, earning tickets, and they were earning them through like engagement when they're answering questions, or maybe they're doing something extra that they're not required to do or whatever. And it was very motivating for them to be getting those tickets. And they all had their little baggies. And I've heard multiple moms that they use the same ticket system for different things. Like each ticket is worth something. And so if you accumulate this many tickets, that's breakfast with mom. Or if you accumulate these tickets, that means you get to pick a movie on TV that we're going to watch together. So it could be all kinds of things, but the kids see the tickets and it's like, ah, I know what that means. And so that could be very motivating too. So we were doing that for a while and I don't know, I just kind of, <laughs> we just kind of stopped. And now it's, they have their iPad time for one hour for the whole day. So sometimes to motivate them, like they're only going to get it for an hour, but that hour could be moved up or it could be removed completely. So that's been kind of like what we've done now. We're just, they just know that they have to get through the day and if they don't get through the day, they'll never get to that iPad. And so that's like their paycheck at the end of the day for doing their job. Because if they're not doing their job, if they're not showing up and they're just having a bad attitude and an attitude makes a huge difference. I don't expect them to nail it, you know, what we're doing and be answering every question, but I do expect a positive attitude because that makes everybody job easier. It makes my job easier and it makes for a better environment for the other kids. So Yep, that's that's what's worked for us. Either you can get the iPad earlier or, and if it's a negative consequence, you can get it taken away. So yeah. Yeah. that's what worked. And that's what I hear other moms doing too, as far as the ticket system. Yeah, that's really helpful. I know I had a mom ask me, cause I know I got a few questions from other moms for you. And one of them was like, ask her about screen time. I want way less, more old school pencil to paper. And that's up to you, the teacher, right? So like you said, yes. oh, it's a cursive, it's a cursive like tracing or that's pencil to paper, or maybe you're reading a book or they've listened to an audio. So like, you never know, like when a kid is like, oh, I'm going to read a book. Like, well, this is maybe just my child. I'm going to read a book. I'm like, did you really read the book? So asking them, Hey, write down like three lines or three things or four things, whatever that you learned from that chapter. I read this really helpful thing for summertime. My girlfriend, Laura posted it on Instagram. She said, you've got to do make your bed, brush your teeth, eat breakfast, do your hair and get dressed. And then the next thing you have to have 20 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of writing. So it's writing or coloring, depending on the age. And then you have to do one chore and then help a family member with something. And then 30 minutes of outside time to equal all of those things to equal one <laughs> hour of electronics. So that's good for summertime every day. That's their summer routine. And like you said, learning your child, I had no idea that like really motivated my son. He's like, I got it doing it. And then my daughter is like, I hate this. Like, who told me? <laughs> so you never know. Yes. Every child is different. Absolutely. And I think that's great. If that works for that mom, that family, that child, go for it. We have my oldest son, like I said, he likes to check off his list. And so we always have a list up for him because he can get up and knock everything out in like two hours and he's yep. done. He's yeah. done. And the younger ones are like, wait, how come he's this? He's doing that. How come this? Yes. And he's like, I got up and I did everything I was supposed to and I'm done. And so, yep. but in our family, it's like, it doesn't matter when you get done with school. The iPad is only at this given time. I'm big with my kids to get out, get out, especially my older one who is, just likes to be inside. So I have to kind of encourage him. You got to get out. 
if you're out there for 30 minutes, go out in the pool and be there in 30 minutes, then you can get your iPad earlier. But it's yeah. always going to be that one hour. And so yeah. it kind of helps motivate him. It's a win-win. He goes yeah. out there and then he gets his iPad earlier. But again, it's right. only that one hour. And also, I don't know when I started doing this, but I just did. And then it's kind of become like the culture in our home. They don't turn the TV on until the sun goes down. Because if the sun is up, that means you can be doing something outside or you can be using the daylight. So it yeah, kind of just That's became, a really good rule. And it's like, I'm sorry, I can't control the sun from going down any earlier, especially during the summer, the sun goes down later. And it just made it very simple. It wasn't like they stopped asking me, can we turn it on? No. And they kind of like police each other. Like, you can't turn it on. The sun's still out. So it just made it a little easier for me because sometimes I set rules and then I forget or I don't follow yes. through. And this yes. way it's very easy. It's just like, well, and the sun goes down. And then we usually watch something together. We're like huge Survivor fans. And yeah. so we watch all those shows together. And that's like, again, another family, family. moment. And yeah. you would think, oh, well, that's not learning. But you'll be surprised because we get to know the characters. I mean, we talk about strategy. We talk about morality. We talk about how things are set up, creativity, everything. We're just talking about Survivor. And yet yeah. there's just so much there. My oldest one like memorized every single season, what island they're in, who won that season. And he um, appreciates the music of every single introduction. There's a theme song to it. And you and I probably never noticed it, but there's a difference, a very subtle difference in every single theme song per season. And I would have never noticed that, but he did. And he just became so passionate about that. And that's music. So now you're getting music, you're getting creativity, strategy, studying people's character, all from a TV show. And so yeah. that is learning. That is kind of just instilling in the child, like that learning, like you're always yeah. learning. Learning doesn't have to look like a book, like right. a textbook, like mom talking and teaching. Learning is everything. And yeah. so keeping that in mind, like you're cultivating this learning environment for your child in your home. Like I said, yeah. your home is the school. And so just providing that environment for them with everything that they do and the conversations that you have, that is what makes it the homeschool environment very enriching and a blessing for your entire family. Yeah, I love that. And like, there's so many, we can talk about curriculum too. There's so many curriculums. I mean, as both Christians, I've heard of my father's world. I've heard of story of the world for history. I've heard, um, I think classical conversations is as well. And classical conversations is a great option because it's a lot, very, very music-based, very memorization music-based, which is so helpful for so many kids. I know my kids love to learn by music, but so there's different options out there for curriculums that if you want them. And then I was going to mention subscription boxes. If you guys can get monthly subscription boxes, just Google school subscription boxes and you'll get all these different options that are really cool. Like geography ones, there's math ones, there's electronic ones. And another resource I forgot to mention was Hoopla. So Hoopla, H-O-O-L-P-A is like a library audio book. So you can get free audios for the kids on there. And there was something else that you mentioned that I would want. Yeah, go ahead. So you started talking about curriculum and like such a loaded word, right? When people ask me about curriculum, I cringe because I was like, I don't know. That's a very loaded question. So I did create a video on YouTube and that kind of takes us and explains some of these very popular homeschool models. There's like the seven, which include like classical, Charlotte Mason, Montessori and schooling things like that. And so it gives you an idea of what these models are. There's a model that sounds really good to you. Like, Oh, that sounds like our family dynamics. Like, yeah, I like this. Then taking that kind of model and then going, the next step would be like, what are curriculums for a model like that? We do a classical education model. And so that's why we aligned with classical conversations. So it's within the realm of how I wanted to teach our kids. And so it makes it very easy for me to go get curriculum because when there is a classical bend to it or it's printed by a classical press company, then I know it's going to align with the homeschool model that we're doing at home. 
And so it makes it very easy for me to shop. That doesn't mean I have to only get classical material. I always say we're a little bit classical, we're a little bit eclectic. And so you can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I've made up a lot of stuff at home. And people have asked me, oh, where did you get that? Oh, I just made it up. You don't have to buy it. You can actually make it. But that can also be helpful to understand if there's a homeschool model that you align to and you're like, oh, that, I love that. And so from there, you would go and see, I would say narrow it down to two to three types of curriculum per subject because they're all going to be a little different. And keeping in mind that the ones that you're teaching to the whole group, those might be something, the first ones that you could tackle, like history. What am I going to do for history? What am I going to do for science? So the process would look like for me, okay, we're doing the classical model. Okay. Now we're going to go and see what are the books that I can get for history or for science. And it makes the process a lot easier than to have all these curriculum, all these books, it's very overwhelming. So that process makes it a little bit easier to kind of narrow it down. And like I said, I'm very visual. So when I'm thinking about buying a curriculum, like, first of all, I have to ask moms on Facebook, right? All these groups out there, it's like, hey, has anybody used this? Has anybody used that? Or what do you guys think about this? And there's always a plethora of resources. And so they can suggest something to me. I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds awesome. That sounds like something my kid would like. Then I go to YouTube and I go and see somebody else doing a recommendation on that curriculum. And I see the actual material and I see how they're using it. And there's times where I'm like, oh my God, that's so easy. I could totally do that. And there's times where I was like, uh, yeah, that's not going to fit our schedule. We can't commit to that. <laughs> or I'll say, well, I love this particular thing about that curriculum, but I don't like the rest of it. But so I'm going to tweak it and I think I'm going to get it and know that I'm going to use it this way. I don't have to do everything that that curriculum says I should do with my kid. And so that's a way, again, to narrow it down. So you're not buying all this stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to use it because I bought it. So now I have to use it. No, you don't. I bought curriculum that sits there for a year and then I get an idea and I'm like, oh, you know what? I should use this this way. So it's all a process. There's not yeah. going to be like, we're starting homeschool. I have the perfect curricula. My kids are ready to be homeschooled. And it, we're going to be very happy and excited to, because <laughs> it's not going to happen that way. It's a process. Yeah. And enjoying the process, going back to road tripping, it's not about the destination. It's the journey. And so don't be so quick to disregard your journey through homeschooling just because it hasn't arrived. It doesn't look like the way you expected it or, or it's not meeting your expectations because yeah. that process, that journey is the character building in you and your children. Homeschooling is really teaches you about humility yeah. and to be able to learn each other, forgive each other. I don't know how many times I'm asking forgiveness. Because yeah. <laughs> It is a beautiful journey along the way. And this is what I mean where my kids learn to have grace with me because they know it's like, okay, mom has lost her marbles today. And, yeah. and it's like, that's not mom all the time. So obviously yeah. she's having a rough day. Yeah. Let's give her some grace. And so that's the beauty of that, that they get to see all your colors and, and they see your effort and what you're doing and what you're bringing to them every day. And some days just going to the beach is going to yeah. be enough. Some days yeah, just going like, I need it. Yeah. Your mama, you need to re refuel yourself because now you're spending a lot more time with your children and mm -hmm. maybe you do need that time on your own and do it. Yeah. It's definitely something that you want to do on your own. Again, I was an entrepreneur and I'm always thinking about different things that I would like to do and endeavors. And actually through this process, there's been an opportunity for me to do that. My entrepreneur heart and my passion for homeschooling and helping moms kind of presented something. And so I'm exploring that. And we came from a Spanish immersion school, public school. And a lot of these parents that now have children that haven't been going to school and now they're missing out on their Spanish. And with any language, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so they've invested a lot of their lives in this program that is Spanish immersion. And now they're like kind of stuck and it's hard. You can't go to a class. It's really hard to expose the children to the language when you don't speak it yourself. So 
I felt compelled to, I saw a problem and I wanted to offer a solution. So with that came Spanish classes at the park. And so we're going to be starting that next month. Yeah. First week of August. So that's been super fun because it's fed my soul, my entrepreneur soul. And it's also allowed me to help other parents. And that's the beauty of being a leader and being an entrepreneur is this, you bring the show and you help others. You see a problem and you offer the solution. Yeah. Boom. It's a win-win. Yeah. It's really easy for people to say, yes, I want this. I'm going to pay for this because it's solving a problem for them. And so yeah. I'm wired as an entrepreneur to always see that. And yeah. so this was a great way for me. I am a stay-at-home mom. And so I'm not outside working or in here. And so this provides a little additional income and that's great. It's a win for us. It's a win for them because their children are going to be receiving something that, that the parents need and they can't offer. They yep. can't speak the language to them. Yep. So, and I think that's beautiful in any situation in our crisis and during COVID that there is other opportunities where one opportunity is not there anymore and that door closes, another one can open. And if you are Absolutely. the person who can fill in that gap. My God, like rise do to it. the occasion. Yeah, do yes. it. You will be a blessing to others. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and being a leader yeah. is recognizing those opportunities when they show up and saying, yeah. wow, I could do something and yeah. I'm going to help other people. Yeah. I just love that because I was thinking I, all these Facebook groups that we're in and all these moms saying, ah, I need help. Like me, saying, oh my gosh, I run two businesses. Like I need help. Who's doing what? I will hire somebody. Like I was telling you, and you and I were talking, like it takes a village. It really does. And back in the day, they used the full village to help raise these children. Mm -hmm. And we just have lost that in our society. But with homeschooling, with all of this, I just feel like I saw people step up, like you're saying, to fill this need. They see a need and they fill it because they have the skill. So if you are somebody who is so gifted at homeschooling, maybe you have extra room or the same age kids of people and this mom's really struggling. Like, I don't know what to do with my poor friends. They work full time. They cannot school mm -hmm. their children. It's mm -hmm. not a possibility. It's over. So like those kids could possibly go to this person's house and learn and get educated during this time. Or like you said, Spanish, or maybe it's piano, or maybe it's tutoring of some sort. You guys, please step up in your community and serve and add value because there are so many of us mothers who will pay, who will do whatever it takes to make this happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because this coming school year, I'm going to be homeschooling my niece. And so... It's something where the parents wanted to, just something that was going to suit her more than the distance learning. It was just not going to be something that was going to work for them. And so we were able to kind of test that out when she was coming over during this pandemic, just started back in March, April, because I wanted to make sure for moms that are considering on taking other students in, it is a noble thing to do, but also remember that they're coming into the dynamics of your family. It's not all of a sudden you can't have like this structured setup because somebody else is coming over. So you have to consider that when you're bringing other kids to you. And so for us, we had the privilege to having her here and seeing how that was going to work. And my goodness, like my little one was just like rose to the occasion. And all of a sudden he was very engaged in what we were teaching and learning. And I just saw that it was like a shift in him because there was somebody else his age. And so I didn't have to reinvent the wheel for her. It's just like, oh, we're doing all this together for morning time. And then we're doing this one-on-one -on -one time. So I started doing my one-on-one -on -one time with my little one with her. So it became like, again, just an extension of what we are already doing. And so now going into the next year, she'll also be joining us in classical conversations because it just makes my job easier to be able to just kind of have her go right into the dynamics that we already have, as opposed to trying to reinvent everything for her. So yeah, that is an awesome opportunity. If other families can do that for families that are not able to homeschool for whatever reason, then it is something that's doable. I have friends that have their kids homeschool with other families and that was before the COVID thing. So it is something that's doable and it would be a great opportunity to serve your community that way by homeschooling other kids. So just because you're the homeschool teacher, 
it doesn't mean you have to teach every single thing to your kids. There might be something that you're super passionate about, and that's probably what you definitely want to be the teacher in that. There might be things that you're not so great at, or you feel insecure about, or you just don't like it. A lot of people don't like math. <laughs> I like math, but a lot of people don't. Well, there's other resources out there, whether it's like a tutor online, whether it's a program online, there's Khan Academy. And that's just one of the other resources that are out there. Or you can team up with another parent and say, hey, let's swap. I will do history with my kid and your kid. And then you take my kid to do math with your kid. And so that's another way to really, like you were saying about it takes a village. You can definitely do that. There's co-op groups of families that come together for specific goals. And it might be that there's classes that you don't feel that you would enjoy. So maybe somebody else can do that for your kid. And so that's another option. So you don't have to teach all the subjects if you don't want. There's other resources that can provide that for you. And there's also, you mentioned box subscriptions, and I think those are awesome. We actually had a box subscription for science. And every month, a box would arrive, and the box has four different little experiments in it. So you can break that down one experiment per week. And it was just something that is like, okay, great. I don't want to have to plan out our, our science. So it's already done. And all I need to do is just lead them in doing these experiments. Then I'm set. That's something that's doable. So approaching everything, keeping in mind who you are and who your kids are. And like the experiments are very hands-on. So that might be something that's more enjoyable than let's sit down and read this book about science. But that might work for another family. Another family might love that book reading. So there's definitely different resources. If you're feeling a little uneasy about a given subject, there's a resource for that. You can outsource it. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to do everything. And so right. yeah, there's co-ops, there's online programs, there's box subscriptions, there's probably tutors online. There's mm -hmm. different things that are available to you. So you don't have to tackle everything on your own. Yeah, that's so good. And I know that in a lot of different areas, there are people who can't go do these things, but I'm going to give suggestions. Maybe they're in a different area, or maybe this is after the whole COVID situation, but having my son or my daughter, like whatever they love, be able to go do the thing that they love and learn more about it. So like, I'm hoping the lady that we're going to be working with, her husband is into carpentry. And so she'll be teaching my son how to do woodworking or like if there's a specific subject. So we're super entrepreneurial. And so my son started a lawn mowing business. And so you can like tailor math and writing and reading on certain subjects like let's say landscape. And so you can read about landscape. You can do math about measuring and landscaping, whatever, if that's something that they're excited about or how to handle money. Like the reason why I like homeschool and the idea of it is that real life skills come into play. And so yeah. if responsibility, you're going to teach them how to start a business or whatever that looks like. I know a lot of people actually, there's this thing called card my yard. Have you heard about it? No, it's like, it's like a franchise that you could buy. I think it's like $5,000 to buy it. But my friend's daughter, they bought her card my yard and she goes to people's houses. They pay for her to go to the houses and set up different, like it'll say in huge sign, like happy birthday or mm. congratulations graduate and says their name. And so she has to go, she has to put all the signs in the yard and then she has to come back and go pick them up. And so it's something that you can teach your child how to run a business. It's a real true franchise and then you can That's sell awesome. it. Yeah. So it's really cool. Like how we can teach our children. My daughter loves to bake. And so I was thinking, Hey, I'll have her meet with someone who's really great at baking, not me and have her learn different skills. And I so just it. different things like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is all homeschool. You're absolutely right. Um, just even using the resources, like if you see it kind of like a circle, right? You have the circle and it has all these circles around the circles, like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the first one, the main circle is your family. So you share things and you learn from each other. And then the next circle could be your extended family and things that they're doing. For example, like you're mentioning, he's a carpenter. And then you have the next one after that, like your community artisans there's different people in the community that they can glean from they can learn from 
and then the other one from that. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you start seeing, oh, wow, we have all these resources available to us. Like, oh, why didn't we think to ask our aunt who she's an artist or my uncle who is a plumber. And so you kind of tap into those resources that are there. I love it. I love that your son's going to be learning carpentry and it makes things real, right? It makes it like, oh, I do need to learn about math because I might cut that wrong <laughs> or I don't want to get short chains when I get paid. So I need to learn about money. And so yeah. it does make things more real to them as far as how, why they have to learn certain things. And sometimes they're learning, but they don't really know that they're even learning because it's something that they're just doing. Like you said, it's a life skill. And yeah. baking involves math and science. So, so there's so many things that you can integrate into what you're teaching, quote unquote yeah. teaching, but it doesn't feel like it's school because you're just doing life. And right. honestly, like life is a big teacher, right? And so you kind of, as a parent, you just kind of go along being the lead learner because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. I'm still learning history. Okay. <laughs> I'm still learning. So I just don't have to be brilliant at every subject. Yeah. I'm there to learn right alongside them. And it's exciting. It's exciting to learn things. And so if you can just be a lead learner and come along your trial and do this together, that's kind of how you see homeschooling as opposed to I'm the teacher, you're the student, you stay there. It's like, wait a minute, I don't know how to do this either. So let's figure it out together. That's coming alongside them and doing these things together. So you're learning together and that makes it super fun. Okay. So let's kind of go jump into budget and how much this costs and all that. Yeah. So everybody's budget is going to look different, right? And so just considering that, thinking about, okay, how much do we have in our budget to do that? And then after deciding what that's going to look like for you, you can start looking at different options for your kids because you can do homeschool with a shoestring budget. I mean, it's totally doable. I actually offered a video series on how to do homeschooling simply while the whole COVID thing was happening and libraries were shut down and there was really nothing for people to be able to get as far as curriculum. And so it was very simply done and we went through the different subjects. So it can be done on a shoestring budget or no budget. Okay. And there is also a lot of different resources, people that sell used material. Like you've probably seen them on Facebook, people selling used curriculum because they don't need it anymore. And there's also swaps. Like sometimes there's places you can go. I know we, I did this last year at my church where everybody brought curriculum and everybody got to take other curriculum. So it was like a win-win for everybody. And there's also websites that sell used curriculum. There's homeschool classifieds, there's thrift books. So there's a lot of different options to use if you want to be on a shoestring budget, especially when it's something that you don't know that you're absolutely going to love. We need to buy it. If you don't have funds provided by your charter school, then definitely you want to make sure that it's going to be something that's going to work for you. So getting used curriculum is also a super good option. That's really good and true. And I think too, a lot of people maybe just don't know where to look and there's just so many places to look. So definitely finding somebody who's gone before you, like you were saying, seeking out those people, asking for recommendations, and they may not be a good fit for you. So my very first year homeschooling Silas in first grade, I remember it wasn't until like literally the last week of the year. And I finally felt like I got the hang of it. And talking to my helper lady, EF, she was like, do you finally feel like you got the swing of things, the hang of things? Yeah, I do. But I really wish I had somebody going along with me in yeah. this journey that like had maybe two years ahead of me. So they could like, oh no, you're doing fine. Or if you don't like that math curriculum, change it or just stick with it. It's fine. Do it different way the next year. So it's just so much easier when you have this person has done it before you and has got the groove. But with that to say, and you could probably touch on this too, is like, I didn't feel like I understood or had a good groove until the end of that first year. And I probably would have done better that second year. Like, do you feel like you get better and better with every year? Oh, sure. It's like everything. Just like, I always like to use the example of it's like having kids. You probably were really scared and things were really challenging the first year of the kid's life. 
But eventually you got to know the kid, you got to see how they are and things got easier. Obviously you taught your kid how to eat, how to, to sleep in their own bed, how to walk. And so the same thing is with homeschooling. It's like, it is going to be a process. Things get easier, but they're still growing. So just like in parenting, your kid, you think you got it all down and then it's like, oh, we're going to hit puberty and things start changing again. Well, the same thing in homeschooling. They're growing up and they're individuals. So some things do feel easier and then you'll have other new challenges that come along. But that's just the journey. And so I think for sure the first year, that's why it's so good to have that reminder of the first year is going to be challenging. That's why, I mean, for parents that are just thinking of homeschooling just for this year, maybe just having books for the kids that you met, that will be enough. If you don't want to commit to homeschooling in the long run, then the first year, yeah, it's going to be rough. So maybe just take super easy and just reading to your kids over this year would be enough. If you are really considering to do homeschool for the long haul, then yeah, just know that our expectations of whatever we, however we see homeschooling is probably not going to be met. So being comfortable and giving yourself enough grace to know that it's going to be a little wonky the first year. And like you were saying, Meredith, yes, when I first started homeschooling, I was just wanting people to help. And there was always a ton of parents out there, a ton of support. And I felt like those veterans who went before me were giving and giving and giving. And I was receiving, receiving because I wanted, I needed the support. I wanted their wisdom. And now going on our fifth year, I can now go back and help the next homeschooling mom. I can be a giver now, a giver of knowledge, of support, of wisdom, because I am a little bit ahead of them. And so that's the beauty of the homeschool community that you come full circle. And that's just the whole giving and receiving. And that makes for a very supportive community. And I hope that that's how the new homeschooling uh, parents feel, that they feel supported, encouraged, and that they're not doing this journey alone. Because even those of us have homeschooled, we still have our challenges. And it's always great to know there's a plenty of parents out there that are willing to still share their knowledge and support with me. And you don't lose that. They're still going to be there. Yeah, that's so good. So I would say like wrapping up, it's one, breathe, take a deep breath. <laughs> Number two, try to narrow down what maybe your curriculum is going to be, what your kids kind of like, or maybe just a really great book series for the year. <laughs> and number three is just to not have a super strict schedule. Try to figure out, like be flexible and figure out what works for your family. Maybe they like schedules, maybe they don't. And I was always told like maybe two hours a day, like maybe two hours a day of school, of course, you can always increase that depending on the child, but like, I just feel like having your expectations be real low, like <laughs> super low expectations for myself, super low expectations, and then we can keep increasing them. Yeah. And I'm glad that you talked about that because I do cover that too in my video series that I just posted about how much do you teach a subject per age and it doesn't mean you have to commit to that time frame. I look to some books, some resources to kind of guide me. But again, it's just a roadmap. If it said I have to sit there with my kid that likes to move around for 30 minutes, it's not going to look 30 minutes. It might look like 15 minutes. And then that's it for the day because I want to make sure that I can accommodate our family dynamics and my child and myself. I'm not going to keep him there and then have this, this friction with him the whole time I'm trying to teach him. So there is resources also that can kind of give you a guide, like a roadmap to say, this is what you should shoot for, for these kids at this age in this, while you're doing this subject. And then using that as your guide, not something that you have to marry, but just as a guide to say, oh, okay, this is somewhat, it gives me an idea. And you're right. The kid might love to read. So, okay, let them read for an hour as opposed to 20 minutes. Or maybe your kid just it's really hard for them just to sit there for those 30 minutes. And so you make it 15 minutes instead. There's so many different guides to just kind of use as a resource, but you don't have to commit to it. So yes, the how long for each child, that's a really good question. So why don't you give us, tell us where we can find your YouTube, what's it called and what kind of information can we gather on there? 
Okay. So I started my YouTube channel just to kind of share the little knowledge I have along the way to other parents. And that's training up my boys, just like that all together, training up my boys on YouTube and anywhere else. I will be at Raquel M. Ramirez and that's on Instagram and on Facebook where I also share just my personal journey. And you can see more or less what life looks like for us. But don't be misled. I usually post just the great times (laughs) because there's also a lot of rough patches. But I did include in my last video that I'm posting today, bloopers. And in those bloopers, I include like how homeschool really looks like. And so you'll see that side that it's like, oh yeah, that looks like my home. It's not always a harmonious environment and that's okay. Just have grace with each other. Yeah, that's really great. I'm glad you brought in the real stuff because we know, everybody knows social media is going to be the highlight reel. We all know that by now. And there are in every day, good and bad days. And typically at the end of the night, we all lay down in bed and we talk to each other. And we're like, okay, where could we have gone different? You know how just life it's parenting. Yes. Yes. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. And then she has resources on her YouTube. So go check those out, especially if you're visual, find her on Instagram. We'll have the information in the show notes. And then any last words, any last advice that you want to give mamas or hope that you want to give moms before we end it? Yes. Approach homeschooling like you did when you had your child. And that will keep things in perspective. Approach homeschooling with what's the point. And the point goes beyond the academics. You're the parent and no one's going to love your child more than you do. And you're always going to want the best for them. And so keeping that in your heart and in your mind as you press forward and also realizing that you're not alone, although it might feel at times that you are, you'll always have a wealth of knowledge and support with your community. So tap into those communities of homeschooling parents that are going to be there to cheer you on along the way. That is so good. Especially right now, there's more homeschooling people in the world than ever before. So you have a community and I would like to encourage people to step away from the technology. Yes, we need technology and we're going to be using it, but step away from that and go get outside and learn and read and audio books and things like that while you're painting or while you're crafting or playing outside. There are different things that you can do kind of to knock out more than one thing. I am excited that I found somebody who can help support me. I hope that you find someone in your community that helps support you. The way that I found them was through Facebook. So have your network help you find your people. So thank you so much, Raquel, for all of your time, your knowledge, your wisdom, and your resources. And we are just so thankful that you came here. Share this podcast with somebody who you know this is going to help. Or maybe share it with a teacher who possibly lost their job or a tutor who has the skill that can help this homeschool community. So I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks, Raquel. Thank you, Meredith. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. I love hearing from you guys. Tag me on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave me a review and tell us what you loved most about this podcast. Don't forget to send this episode to someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. I love adding value to all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. It means the world to me.